0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Talevi, and joining me to take your stock related questions this evening are Jean Pierre Fester from Protea Capital Management and Grant Nader of Benguela Global Fund Managers. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392, email Stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or tweet us at Business TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, Jean Pierre, Grant, good to see you both there this evening. Grant, if I may start with you. A lot, it was a fairly grim day on the market again today, um, and a lot is being made about this a spike to a 16-year high on U.S. Treasury yields. Um, Do you think the market is making more of a meal of that than it should, or is this something that we really should pay attention to?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Rates are really driving the market. I think the move from yesterday to today is is, – too much is being made of that, but it's it's actually what's happening in the bigger picture, that yields are stretching a lot further than anyone expected, and it's highly likely they might stay up there for longer than anyone expected. So there's this whole recalibration of what this higher interest rate environment looks like. And uh, a lot of people are, are caught unawares, you know, and the real rate of return is, is improving. And that puts a lot of assets under pressure. The earnings yield, you know, the equity risk premium in the U.S. is not particularly great. So I, I think... A lot may have been made today, but bigger picture, it's a real issue, and it creates a real viable alternative for other asset classes other than equities. Uh, so I think it's a real it's, it is it needs to be considered in what's happening. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, Jean-Pierre, for a stock picker such as yourself, does it make your life uh, that much hairier?
2: Sometimes it uh, it's a double-edged sword. So it creates opportunity, but it also introduces risk. So with very sharp uh, movements in long-term bond yields, equity markets do to some extent price off that. Uh, And then one needs to figure out to what extent will people have a knee-jerk reaction to movements in long-term rates? That's the opportunity side of the coin. And uh, when is it actually a risk for growth companies or other companies that got their future cash flows far into the future, Mm. which means that a higher rate does have a real impact on the net present value of far out future cash flows and then you should be careful what you pay for a stock and that is the risk part of the coin so between the two so far actually markets have done okay with rates Mm. rising which implies that uh, markets have taken a longer-term view and when rates were at one percent markets in general did not price in one percent rates into perpetuity There was a bubble in mean stocks and stocks that aren't profitable today. They'll be profitable far into the future. But outside of that part of the market, in general, it's been a relief this year that the markets have not come down to the same extent that rates have gone up. Mm. So it has been an opportunity, I would say, this year, not a risk.
0: Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so let's get on to specific stocks. Um, And I'll get the Sean Summers question out of the way first because we did speak about it on the show uh, to some extent, fairly extensively uh, yesterday. But our viewer said that he feels that we are being particularly ageist about harping on uh, the fact that he is 70 years old. He's gathered phenomenal experience over many years in retail. I can't understand why the media and market commentators are harping on about his age. It seems like ageism to me. Um, The board clearly feels he's the best man for the job. I support the decision says the viewer. And he also says, I personally have had dreadful experiences at ShopRite. I find that their aisles and their shops are too narrow. They have insufficient choice regarding stock, and I enjoy shopping at pick and pay. How many of your analysts on your show keep punting ShopRite actually shop there? Why do commentators also stress so much that so much has changed in retail since Summers was at pick and pay? Um, so it's a bit longer, that question, but um, Grant. Okay, firstly... Uh, to the viewer's point about um, if the board feels that he's the best guy for the job, should we question that decision?
1: I have absolutely no issue with the age. <laughs> I think 70 is the new 90, You know, uh, it's the new 50. People are so much younger now than they were before. Uh, people are physically strong and fit at the age of 70, so I have no qualms about that. The concern I have is the gap between when he last worked there and now and how much has evolved in in the technological applications within retail and that is one of the areas where shoprite has really uh, stepped ahead of the curve and has led the pack in sa and reinvested heavily into technology either in their dc's or into analytics and so the question is how close is he to that he hasn't been in the game recently he hasn't been close to the coalface but at the on the other side of the coin he really does understand retailing it's in his dna Uh, And that is a critical. So he can definitely bring something to the table, Um, and the question is, can he fill the gaps in the areas where he may be lacking in knowledge? But I don't have an issue with age. The average tenure of a CEO nowadays, five, ten years. I'm sure he's got at least five good years, if not ten years, in him in terms of giving it to the business. So I I don't think people should be worried about that. The question around succession is another one. You know, usually retailers tend to employ from within. Um, Where was the succession planning? you know, look at ShopRite, how well they're handed down to to, uh, internal uh, CEOs. So there's other questions. The age is the least of my worries. Yeah. Let me just leave it it (laughs) at that.
0: Okay. Uh, Jean-Pierre, I mean, to uh, Grant's point, uh, that there is a change in the business. Uh, You know, the viewer says, why do commentators stress so much has changed in retail since summers? Was it pick and pay? I mean, Grant's point about analytics, uh, you have far more of that data available to you than you did 16 years ago. Um, but in your view, do you think that is the the fundamental change uh, and maybe he won't get to grips with it? Or do you think that's actually very easy to absorb if you've got a good team uh, of people, I guess, working in, in that kind of department?
2: I would think so. Uh, look, when he was last at Pick and Pay, there was no smart shopper program yet. Uh, but he's not been outside of retail. He's been in the UK in a retail business there. And as I understand, he's been traveling quite often to South Africa and spending quite a bit of time here still in the last few years. So we'd still know what is going on. Um, so I also don't worry too much about the time since he was at the helm of pick and pay. A lot has changed, but uh, I'm sure he will learned some new tricks. <laughs> and uh, even at his age, um, you know, uh, you would hope that, as Grant said, he would have a, a tenure of five to eight years, And we can maybe have this discussion when he's 75 or 77. Uh, Then it might be a question about uh, energy levels. But for now, I think he'll make a good CEO. To your question about uh, have analysts uh, shopped at ShopRite, I would just remind the viewer that ShopRite owns two major brands, ShopRite and Checkers. And um, I'm sure a lot of analysts have at least set foot into a Checkers, uh, if not so often into a ShopRite, myself included. So uh, uh, I must say, I think that Checkers is really taking the fight to pick and pay in the more upper end LSMs, living standard measures, uh, upper income levels. And in the lower end, um, ShopRite is still also doing very, very well for the more uh, bargain part of the market. So uh, I think with those two brands, uh, they're still doing very well and analysts can see that both from being in the stores themselves and from just analyzing the financials which show the same picture
0: yeah i mean god that that is the point you know you go into a shop you experience something uh which may be Hmm. somewhat at odds with what the financials are telling you but if the financials are particularly good surely that is really where you want to um hang your hat
1: yeah absolutely and and i think i've also been into a checkers not a shop right and i I i find the experience pretty decent the other thing is that uh, online uh, delivery experience is phenomenal, and uh, they've really taken a lot of market share and public mindset, mind, mind share as well, through that offering. And I think that's added a lot of momentum. And, of course, if you think about the ability to invest in price, the economy is really tough at the moment. People are incredibly price conscious. Checkers is heavily investing in price, and they can afford to, whereas pick and pay, they don't have the margins to invest at the same level so the and also they have a loyalty program where you get money back checkers gives you a discount at the till. so the yeah. the per, perception is you're paying less as you enter the store and as you leave it and i think they're just playing into the it, they've got so many things moving in their favor the economy uh the technology the momentum the way they're investing um so i think pick and pay has got a, a tall order to to turn that ship around
0: yeah Okay, moving on to another retailer. Uh, a, a viewer asked a question on TrueWorth, um, asking why it's outperformed at sector peers. Is this likely to be ongoing, or is it time to bank a profit um, or ride the winner? Uh, Jean Pierre, moving back to you, what do you think of Truworths? performance? Well, I Blake? think
2: the operating performance of TrueWorth has been better than its competitors. Um, they were very patient with office in the UK, and that um, seems to have steadied in a very tough UK retail environment. I mean, I I read some updates from some other UK fashion retailers recently, and it's it's really tough in the UK. So um, office in that market, um, I think want to give credit to the Truers management team, what they've done there. And then in South Africa, uh, Truers have not made other major local acquisitions, to the same extent as for instance, TFG has. And when you make a lot of acquisitions, there's always the issue of integration, it takes time it takes effort it takes one-off costs the acquirer will say sometimes these once-off costs happen quite frequently more than just once um so true hasn't gotten bogged down in that which a lot of their competitors have hmm. so i do think it's a cleaner business uh, the credit has been very tight very good with their credit management um so because the fundamentals are now in a stronger position the share price has followed hmm.
0: Grant um, it has had quite a nice year which is quite interesting considering what's mm-hmm. happened to other retail shares um, if you had managed to catch this wave would you maybe sell out now or would you hang in there
1: I, I'd probably you know we do hold it and I'd probably continue to hold it because it's it's doing a good job and in this economy the, the companies that are performing well that are sticking to their knitting and are you know seem to be the I think they'll continue to do well you know they're they're offering credit which is what's needed in this economy they're managing the the bad debts well Uh, the cash flow is looking good and I think if you're sitting in a position where you want to take a through the cycle view and a bit of a longer-term view which as an investor you should be doing unless you were trading I still think it offers value if you're looking 12 months 18 months out if we through the rates the rate cycle peak and we start seeing rate cuts late next year you know, these are it's a good company. And you, I don't know. You may get a better chance. You may not. Uh, if you want to play the timing game, you can. But fundamentally, yeah. it's it's doing good things. I would hold on to it.
0: Okay, and then a question on Zeda uh, before the break. Um, the viewer says some of your guests have been bullish on the tourism and hospitality sector and have picked Sun International and City Lodge in the past. Zida, which is the old Avis car hire spun out of Balwood recently, trades on a P of three, but has never been picked. Um, yeah, in fact, i don 't know if anyone's actually picked Zeda as a share. Uh, do any of your analysts follow it, um, and what are their thoughts? So Grant, sticking with you, uh, would you pick this one as for its um, travel and tourism exposure?
1: um. <laughs> It's a good question. It's it's quite a small cap. So it means a lot of institutional institutions don't really look that closely at it, which potentially also creates an opportunity. I as well have not looked at it that deeply. It does look cheap. It looks like a good little business, but it requires cyclical tailwinds to to turn for it. Um I, I don't think you can go far wrong at at two or three times earnings. Mm. Um yeah, you know, again, like unfortunately we can't invest in it, but I, I wouldn't I don't think it's a bad one to have a little nibble.
0: It's quite cheap. Is it cheap for a good reason, though? Um, and, and doing not very much on the market at the moment.
2: So my preference in the sector is combined motor holdings, which I have chosen in the not-too-distant past. They own the first car rental brand. Um, I think it's a, it's a better business, higher returns than ZDA. Zida's got a lot of corporate fleet business in the mix, not just the... Uh, Retail car hire business and a lot of debt um, that comes typically with with the fleet business and especially a corporate fleet business, which isn't great in a rising interest rate environment. so if you want some exposure to to travel and car rental, my suggestion is have a look at combined petrols
0: okay uh, and then a the viewer sent us a, a question on two shares um, well two groups of shares, assurance or discovery. And the other uh, set of options would be Bidcorp or ShopRite Group, which, Grant, you're saying, let's start there. You're saying um, two sort of shares that you wouldn't necessarily pit against each other being Bidcorp um, mm. and ShopRite. But actually, Bidcorp is in food services. So it's, it's yes. sort of exposed to, to the food sector, if you like, or, or, or the retail sector. But um, it can actually pass through higher margins than I would imagine ShopRite can at this point in time.
1: Uh, I think... Yeah, but remember also, BitCorp is, is a really global business. Um, they, they, South Africa is a very small part of their of their equation. Yes, they do service um, restaurants, uh, some franchises and some uh, independents. They have been improving margin. But at last check, I think their margin is probably around five and a half, six percent 6%. But don't quote me on that. I don't think it's, their net margin is that different from ShopRite. Okay. But it's a very different business. You know, ShopRite is SA only and it's pure retail Bidcorp corpus food services um but they've done a phenomenal job i love the company they, they generate a lot of good cash flow and they've improved their margin profile and the the mix of of customers that they sell to over the past five years it's a phenomenal I, I actually like both the businesses and i think i wouldn't choose either one or the other i would actually own both mm. to be honest okay so yeah defensive well-run Cash generative businesses.
0: Yeah, and, and what an amazing year! I think I meant to say they've managed to push through inflation, not margin. So, so um, I c- yes. confuse myself there. Um, Jean Pierre, I mean, Bitcorp has had this really fantastic rally. It's done unbelievably well. So, I guess you could say it's justified. Would you hang on to it, um, or would you be actively buying it if you didn't have any Bidcorp shares in your portfolio?
2: So it's interesting that it happens to be listed in Johannesburg and the share price happens to be denominated in rands. If you look at BitCorp in euros or dollars, it's a slightly different picture. It doesn't do, done quite as well. So you need to factor that in. But it is a very solid, very high quality business, but it's not a high grower. So be careful that you don't overpay for a company like BitCorp, which is high quality. And the same goes for ShopRite. High quality business, I would say probably better growth prospects, than bid hmm. um and uh and between the two both are a little bit full at the moment so i would wait before i buy either of the two shades but i like both companies sorry
0: to, not to belabor it but john pierre why would you say a shopwriter has better growth prospects than bid corp
2: would. well i think the the um cost base of a retailer is by definition a bit stickier and more um fixed than a pure distribution business which has got a lot of trucks and um and other variable costs. Um, and in Europe, energy is also a very big input to costs at the moment. So with the same type of top line growth in a percent, in percentage terms, I would expect ShopRite to have better bottom line growth because it can leverage a fixed cost base better than a distribution business like BitCorp.
0: Okay. Um, and then the other part of the question was outsurance or discovery? Um, Grants, of course, outsurance uh, and Discovery were, were tied at the hip at one point uh, um, under the, the the first round group. Now, essentially um, contenders um, for your money on the stock market. Which would you prefer?
1: Uh, again, I think they're both pretty good businesses. I, I've liked Occurrence for a long time. It doesn't often give you a chance to buy it at a great price. And in terms of, you know, as JP was mentioning on the previous companies, fully priced, it's quite richly priced. But you're paying. It's a high quality business. The Australian business is growing. They're doing an excellent job there. And obviously it does come with the variability of a short-term insurer in terms of the earnings. Uh, So I I would hate to choose, if I had to choose in terms of based on quality, I would buy OutSurance, but I still think Discovery is also quite an exciting, innovative business, perhaps carries a little more risk and a little less opacity in the the financials, I would say. (laughs) Um, And if you can look through that, Uh, I think it offers a bit more value, um, you know, and and some some sort of interesting innovation in their DNA that I quite like. So I quite like both. I think OutSurance, you probably can wait to buy it. Discovery, you can probably uh, nibble at these levels.
0: Jean-Pierre, do you think there's less opacity in in Discovery's results? Would you agree with Grant? And also, I mean, I suppose they're not strictly comparable because OutSurance is really short-term insurance. Discovery Mm is all sorts of things, uh, including um, life insurance and, and medical insurance.
2: Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting you, you talk about comparability. So we have a new accounting standard in insurance, IFRS 17, that has come in. And what I did find interesting, and there hasn't been written much about it, is that Discovery indicated a 12 a half billion rand adjustment to their opening uh, retained earnings because of IFRS 17 which is by far, and away the biggest impact of any insurer so far in South Africa, which has indicated what the impact of IFRS 17 will be. So uh, IFRS 17 does make it easier to compare life and short-term insurance. Okay. Um, and on the basis of what the financials look like on an IFRS 17 basis, uh, I think discovery is more expensive than outsurance on an adjusted <laughs> okay. basis. And I think that the growth prospects in Ireland look very good for outsurance as well. So my pick between the two would be Arturans. It's Arturance is one of my favorite businesses in South Africa. It's a little bit expensive, but if they can get Ireland right, I think there's value even at roughly 40 rand a share. Hmm.
0: Okay. Hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, seeing as we are on the comparisons this evening, another viewer says, What's the panel, uh, what uh, does the panel think is the better long-term investment in Vestic? Or ninety one, uh, and once again, these were uh, joined at the hip. Well, uh, ninety one was part of in, of Investec. Uh, Grant, they're not comparable businesses, really. Now, uh, mm-hmm. Investec is a is a banking business. Ninety one's an asset management business. So, once again, would yeah. you would you buy both, or would you buy either, or neither?
1: So, Investec's got their own asset manager as well internally. That's come out of the private wealth. that have got think it's over 400 billion in aum so they're going to try and follow the same route that they had done with 91 but predominantly most of the earnings are coming out of the banking the private bank investment bank etc so yes a very different business i think investec are they're working on improving the business and the roes are improving with time but they're a little bit slow in terms of deployment um i think it's an okay investment uh it's pretty steady as she goes i think some of the other banks are doing a better job in terms of uh, returns to return on equity and, and driving the, the operations, so uh, investex okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush to buy it. Ninety one. Remembering that asset managers are so closely tied to the stock market, uh, it's a great asset management business. Well, I like it. I like the foreign, the fifty percent of their AUM is held offshore. But in terms of owning it in a down market, you, you're not going to you're not going to see any really attractive returns unless the markets play ball underlying it. Which will drive the AUM flows as well. So, depending on your view on the markets, you know your your asset managers give you that cheap uh, equity market exposure. Mm. Um, and if you don't think markets are attractive at this point, there's no rush to own ninety one. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a lukewarm response to both. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: that yes, no, This is coming across quite strongly. <laughs> <Jean-Pierre>, <laughs> do, you, do you have a similarly tepid view of both shares?
2: Yes, also lukewarm from me. Um, I do think that Basic has been a recovery story. It got almost ridiculously cheap just after COVID. Something like a 60% discount to its tangible NIV. So it's done very well since then. But I'm a bit unsure about the path going forward from from this level. Now that they have a very done a very good job in uh, getting their capital structure right. And then 91, yes, I do think in the short term, maybe markets look high. But if you take a longer term view, markets tend to go up. And then 91 does look like an interesting proposition. So it probably depends on your um, Hmm. investment time horizon to to decide if you want to buy 91 shares or not.
0: Okay. So now is the moment where you go for stocks that you are really hot for, not just lukewarm about. And and Jean-Pierre, sticking with you, what is your stock pick this evening?
2: Uh, I went back and I see I, I chose this stock in June 2020. And it was at roughly the same price it hasn't done (laughs) much in three years it actually has done much it fell and then it rose and then it fell again it's adavinta which is listed in norway it's an e classifieds business they also bought the ebay classifieds business and in the past week a private equity consortium indicated that they are keen to make a potential bid for adavinta so the share price has bounced quite strongly but i think there could be a little bit more juice in this lemon uh, because the private equity group would probably need to offer a premium even at the current price for a deal to be done. It's a shame for me that uh, NASPAS or process were not able to combine the OLX business with Adavinta. I think that it would have been a great transaction, hmm. but it seems like private equity is going to win out and uh, and uh, process lose out in consolidation of the online classifieds business. Um, but there's something in it for shareholders, so uh, for a short-term gain until private equity gives you hopefully a, a few Norwegian krona more, I think Adavinta <laughs> is a decent buy at 104 Norwegian krona.
0: Okay, great. Uh, Grant, how about you?
1: So I'm I'm quite conservative tonight. I'm picking Alphabet or Google, as they say, uh, you know, on a less than 20 times forward earnings. It's got a lot of free cash flow, high margins, um, and going into this uncertain environment, I think they can absorb a lot of what economic uncertainty comes, uh, be at high rates, they're highly cash generative. Uh, and I think the fear around um, ChatGPT has seems to have subsided. Google's right up there with BARD uh, and their AI applications. So they they second best to NVIDIA, as I understand it, in terms of their own chips that they make. So that whole opportunity set around AI, I think they can tap into that, mm-hmm. uh, added to the fact that there's this antitrust uh, threat that's that's hanging over them, and I think if you see a breakup, they'll actually unlock value. YouTube is an incredibly valuable franchise, as is the search dominance. Uh, so it, to me, it's it's a monopoly, and, and it's a phenomenal business, and I think it's quite a safe place to to hide, and you'll do tri- you'll do pretty well over the long term.
0: Yeah. Okay. Grant up here. We leave it there. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining us this evening. Uh, Jean-Pierre Fester is from Protea Capital Management. Uh, Grant Nader is from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Up next to the close, do you stay with us? <laughs>